This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hello there, boys and girls, and welcome to another episode of Circling the Bases, probably a part of NBC Sports Edge. I am your host, Colin Henderson. Joining me today, as always, Mr. Christopher Crawford. Chris, it is July 4th weekend, but I'm celebrating a little something different on Saturday. Welcome to the Major League's Mark Appel. The number one overall pick by the Astros in 2013 is going to make his Major League debut at age 30 after ending a three-year retirement back in 2021. He is going to get the call up by the Phillies. I, I'm just excited for this. If anyone who was around in 2013 with a understanding of like the number one overall pick and pitcher at the time, the hype train was off the was just huge for Mark Appel at the time. And obviously that went into really dark waters. But now he has come back from retirement has pitched very well for AAA Lehigh with a 1.61 ERA and a .93 WHIP across 28 innings with 24 strikeouts, and he is going to make his major league debut. I'm pretty pumped because I never thought I'd see this day. Yeah, it's pretty neat, and you know, it's uh, good for him for perseverance because a couple of things that I think people may not know is that so mm -hmm. he was the first pick of that draft, but then the second pick of that draft was Chris Bryant. And the third pick of that draft was John Gray. And now John Gray hasn't been like elite by any stretch of the imagination, much of it having to do with the fact that he played in a cesspool of a pitching park that is Coors right. Field. But he's been much better than Mark Appel, and there have been a lot of quality options for that. But it's, it's awesome to see. It's, it's awesome to see perseverance. It's, um, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, it's easy to give up on stuff like that. And he, Technically, he did, and he, I think that probably was for the best for him to go. And, um, you know, he's he's quoted religion as a big part of what's mm -hmm. helped him yep. out, and that's, you know, that's great. It's uh, a, whatever it takes to to get that motivation to do what you think you were meant to be doing is fantastic. Um, I, I hope he just pitches extremely well. Um, I wouldn't be adding him to any fantasy rosters, to be completely no, honest. No, I don't no, think no, he's I wouldn't be, be doing that either. But I don't think he's going to have a role, but it's a very fun thing for sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just Again, it's just a testament. You hear so many of these stories. I feel like baseball is one of the few sports where you really get 
these type of stories mm-hmm. of guys who like left the league for multiple years because it takes so long to get to the majors. Guys right. who left the league because of injury or you know they couldn't hack it mentally or whatever, and then finally get a chance to like reset themselves, come back, figure out something, and get an opportunity. Right. Uh, he's going to make it's. He's going to be a thirty-year-old rookie, and that's yeah. going to be kind of fun in its own right. Just the fact that he grinded as long as he did. And sure. speaking of rookies, by the way, coming up on the show today, Chris and I are going to be talking about Chris's favorite to- topic, prospects and rookies. We're going to be discussing what to expect over the rest of the season for those who have already gotten the call. Chris will highlight some people who might get the call up next and whose stocks have risen or fallen over the course of the season. Chris is going to give us a lot of his insider thoughts on that topic. But before we get to the rooks, Weekends are better with MLB Sunday leadoff coverage presented by Uber Eats. Catch the Royals take on the Tigers in Detroit on Sunday, July 3rd, 11.30 a.m. Eastern, live on NBC and Peacock. To learn more, go to PeacockTV.com slash MLB. And if you want a chance to win 25 k on the game, download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter Sunday's free Grand Slam Pick'em Contest. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Applications subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. And Chris, you and I were talking about this a little bit before the show, a special kind of broadcast from NBC this weekend, as this will be, to my knowledge, the first nationally televised baseball game that will not have a commentator. Apparently what they're going to do here at NBC, they're going to take you all around Comerica Park in Detroit. They're going to interview super fans. They're going to interview little leaguers and softball players. They're going to show you the stadium from different angles and watch the game from different stuff. I'm very curious to see how it plays out, especially considering how many games I end up watching on mute anyways. Sure. So I'm, I'm going to be really excited to see how this kind of plays out, but it'll certainly be unique. Yeah. It's fun to take little chances like this. And if we're being completely honest, if you're going to take a chance like this, why not do it with two teams that are um, terrible? 
So I mean, hey, I, I love the it. We're rebuilding here, Chris. Okay, yeah, it's we, a more we, positive spin on that. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> a couple of these things have been rebuilding for an awful long yeah, time. For a really long time. And I think bright future. You know, oh, you can call this. So. You can call this the futures game if you want, which will also be. Uh, something to be interesting to watch in a couple of weeks here. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I kind of feel bad for my buddy Ahmed. He's going to be uh, busy and I think very tired by the end of that show, but it's also in a lot better shape than 99.9% of people. So I think he'll be okay. Yeah. He'll get his, uh, he'll get his steps in for sure. He will get his steps in for sure. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about some rookies here. And Chris, I wanted to start, let's start by talking about some of the more, well-known rookies that have just gotten the call up within the last mm-hmm. two weeks. We'll talk about some of them. Then we're going to get to your top 10 prospects that you wrote and published yesterday. Let's talk about some of them as well. So let's start with some rookies here and let's start with Riley green. Mm-hmm. Obviously the outfielder for the tigers getting his call up last week. Um, so far through 28 major league at bats entering Tuesday, he's batting 250 with uh, still waiting for his first home run, two RBIs and six runs and a stolen base. Obviously, there's he has been in the top 10 of prospects for the last few years. Him and Spencer Torkelson, his teammate, have really been the face of what the of the offensive face of what the Tigers hope to be in the next few years. Obviously, they've had quite a few good young pitchers also make their debut up there in Motown. But Green makes gets the call. And I mean, when we talk about players, especially in a roto format, Riley Green has five tool capabilities and has the, and and genuinely has a chance to be a a genuine bona fide, not just major league baseball star, but a fantasy star for not only this year, but for the rest of his career. Right. And I would actually focus more on the rest of the career more than this year, to be completely honest, which is true about every rookie. We are going to say, (laughs) I cannot imagine how many times I've said this, but we have been so spoiled by what Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna Jr. And Fernando Tatis Jr. Did. That is not the norm, folks. We are going to see rookies go through highs and lows. That doesn't make them fantasy irrelevant, though. That there are going to be moments where you wish the guy wasn't in your lineup, and there will be moments where you will kick yourself because you took too much uh, credence into what happened the previous week. I like Green a lot. I think the fact that he has such a good approach at the plate, already an on-base percentage of 400, which, look, over – 28 at-bats is a very small sample size. But the, he is not afraid to get on via walk at all. Has already stolen the one base. He's only driven in the two runs. You really want to see him hit more at the top of the lineup. And that's starting. He's starting to make his way up there. I have some question marks about the power for the remainder of the year, partially because of that foot injury. Maybe still rebuilding some strength and the ability to kind of get that leg down and drive the baseball. But I think he's going to help in the average category think he's got a chance to steal around a, a double-digit rate for the rest of the year. I think the Detroit lineup cannot be worse than it's been so far. They are on pace to be a historically, historically bad offense. And that's going to get better in part because Riley Green is in the lineup. Uh, he's currently rostered at 56% of leagues. It's way too low. I would absolutely be going to get Riley Green unless you played in just a three-outfield league with a very limited bench. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking like a 10-team, three-outfield is the only way that he's not, like, needs to be on a roster. And you've got to have, like, a, a three-person bench in that case, right. too. 
Exactly. I mean, just the potential is there. And mm -hmm. just like we talked about with Bobby Witt and Julio Rodriguez at the beginning of the season, and obviously Julio has really taken off after a kind of month and a half of, of not looking the Julio Rodriguez that we expected. Right. Bobby sure. Witt still kind of finding his footing a little bit. He's starting to really kind of pick it up a little bit now. Mm -hmm. But these are in the same sentence as those guys as Riley Green in terms of the fantasy impact that he can be. Obviously, right. in Dynasty Leagues, he should have been snapped up by now. If right. you are in, you know, maybe a keeper league that keeps you, you know, three to five to six players from your team this year, sure. a guy who needs to be on rosters right now because yeah. – Look, he could go off for the last two months of the year and show you exactly that he's a top 50 overall, a top 75 overall player next year. And you yeah. might get great value for it. Yeah, and just real quick, with the Witt and Julio things, I would actually say they are in a tier above him. But then Riley Green's kind of in a tier right below them by himself. Okay. Like, And that's more a compliment to what Witt and Julio can do just because mm – -hmm. They're basically, as long as those guys are healthy, locks to steal a bunch more bases. Like, I think both of these guys are going to finish over 30 stolen bases. At this point, it'd be a huge upset if Julio didn't finish right. with that much just because of how many he's gotten. At 19 now, I think, last I heard. Yeah. So maybe Riley Green is a little more likely to help in the average category, um, but not at so much of a rate that I would put him into the, quite into that tier just yet. But again, that's not an insult to Riley Green. It's just a right. compliment to how good Julio Green and Julio Green to how good Julio and Bobby Wood Jr. are. So if you were to try and gauge, like we said, Riley Green needs to be on just about all rosters out there, both in points and in roto formats. Is there a player comp that you would give for like what would you expect him to kind of give you from now to the end of the year? Is there a player comp that you can uh, give us? There's not an obvious player comp. What I will say is what's probably easier to do is give you what type of numbers you would be looking sure. at for Ryler Green. I think you're looking at a guy who's going to be around a 270 to 280 hitter who's going to get on base at a 330 to 340 mark, be on pace to hit 20 home runs and be on pace to steal about a dozen bases. Now, if that's an obvious outfielder to you, you're better at this than me because it's there's just not a ton of those type of guys around. You know what I mean? That are like that rate is fairly obvious. Um, you know, maybe you're looking at it's it's really tough. I, I'm like just looking at all of these outfielders and trying to think of a comp for the guy. Um, right. It, maybe a, a higher average. You know what? Austin Hayes. What Austin okay, Hayes is go. doing right now is pretty similar to what I think mm -hmm. he could be doing. And thank you for showing up just in time and making me not look stupid, Austin Hayes. Appreciate you, Austin Hayes. Always. <laughs> yeah, always, forever. Let's talk about the other top prospect that got a call up here. Well, we got a couple of them, but O'Neal mm -hmm. Cruz, obviously yeah. the 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 monster of a shortstop, the Aaron Judge at short, gets the call up for the Pirates. I mean, yeah. he looks so funny when like walking down – he hit the home run the other night and then goes and high fives his way down the dugout. And he is like four inches taller than everybody else on that team. And it was <laughs> yeah. so funny to watch that out so far. Like I said, through 32 at bats, he got his first home run, a 250 average, eight RBIs already. Basically has been an RBI machine since <laughs> getting the call. I think he had four in his first game and just continued to have at least one every game since five runs scored and a stolen base across 32 at bats. He is a welcome sight to Pirates fans who have been 
waiting for him to break camp at the start of the year, finally yeah. gets whatever seasoning he needs, which, yeah. by the way, feels a little weird <laughs> considering that he was seasoned to be an outfielder in the minors, and now he's like back to shortstop. Uh, we don't have time to get into that. But oh, I do. He is, uh, I know you do, but we don't have enough time on the show to get into that. <laughs> we have, uh, but he is officially up for the Pirates now. And what really should we expect from O'Neill Cruz for the remainder of the year? I think mostly good stuff. And I think a lot of people seem to agree with me because for a guy who has only played in, I think, seven or eight games to begin the year, 32 could be at like, bats. 32 at bats. Yep. Already rostered at 77% of leagues. So we have hyped this guy up pretty darn well. You know, I think it's funny. He's kind of like he reminded me of, and this should not be used as a fantasy comp, by the way. He is kind of like when Adam Banks got sent to the Hawks in the Mighty Ducks movie from, (laughs) or excuse me, from the Hawks to the Ducks, where he is just so much better and talented than everybody else. All due respect to Brian Hayes and to, uh, Brian Reynolds, in terms of a pure talent standpoint, he is clearly the best member of the Pittsburgh Pirates. What really impresses me about O'Neill Cruz is is this is a small forward. You'd be a power forward if it was like 1998. We'll we'll call him a small forward or a tall shooting guard who runs in the 94th sprint speed. Like this guy can fly. It's it's an underrated part of his game. Long term, my concern is because of his size – That speed cannot last forever. It just can't. You don't see guys that big who aren't playing in the NBA or rushing the passer (laughs) stick with that kind of speed forever. So at some point, he's going to have to move to third base or the outfield. But for now, I think he's a guy who can help you in the average category, the power category. The speed category is a little bit of a question mark just because we don't know how much the Pirates are going to let him run. And that's the frustrating thing here. All All of the talent suggests that he could be a 20 to 30 stolen base guy, but I can't guarantee he'll help in that category because we just don't know how much Pittsburgh is going to let him run. But all of the talent is here for him to not just be one of the best rookies in the class, but legitimately down the stretch, it would not shock me one bit if this was a shortstop one. I mean, in 32 at-bats, one stolen base already. So you at least like to see something in just a couple games gets one. But you're absolutely right. We have no idea how much the Pirates are going to give him the green light, especially considering how much they don't care about what happens this year. And all they care about is keeping that man healthy and on the field. So I I think, though, we can still – I think conservatively still expect about another 10 stolen bases from here to the end of the year, which I think is just incredibly valuable for someone that – I think there's not a whole lot of guys out there on the waivers right now that you can just go and add. And you know, probably from now till the end of the year, there's a good likelihood of 10 to maybe 15 stolen bases. That's pretty nice from now yeah. to the end of the year. So, I mean, I'm looking here right now one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There are eight shortstops that have 10 or more stolen bases. That's it. So, getting yeah. the ability to get those thefts is, is impressive. And I'll, I'll answer your question before you even give it. I think there's an easy comp from what you can project proje- uh, project from O'Neill Cruz. It's what Jazz Chisholm has done for the Marlins so far, but with a little mm-hmm. bit higher average, I think. I think he's going to be able to hit right around the same amount of home runs and the same amount of stolen bases, maybe a little bit less, but but pretty darn similar. I think Jazz Chisholm 
is what you're expecting. Jess Chisholm is a guy who's rostered in 98% of leagues mm-hmm. right now. Can't imagine what's going on in those 2% of leagues. Maybe those are just the AL only leagues on Yahoo yeah. that are preventing him from being rostered. But, uh, but yeah, I, I really like him going forward. And I think Jazz Chisholm with a slightly higher average is a very accurate, I guess, comp. We'll see if it's accurate or not, but I think it's easy to uh, explain why those two are similar. And the fact that he could hit for a higher average is just a very nice little bonus. Let's talk about Josh Lowe. We have, uh, he just got called up as well just uh, a couple of weeks back. He's got 88 at bats, so about three times as many at bats as Green and Cruz. Right. Um, hitting only 193 so far with a home run, seven RBIs, but 12 runs scored and two stolen bases in that time. He has flashed some bat out there. It just hasn't been consistent as of yet. But tell us what we should expect from him for the rest of the season. He's been someone that's been on your list for a while, and you've talked yeah. him up quite a few times on the show. So sure. I know you had to be excited when you finally got that notification. Yeah, absolutely. And my biggest worry, honestly, with Josh Lowe is just because the Rays are so deep, they could have like taken their time. But he was yeah. so good in AAA, he kind of forced the issue a little bit. He hit 299, 382. 540 with five homers or with six homers and six deals across 157 plate appearances. I have some concerns about him being able to help in the average category, to be completely honest with you. Um, There is a lot of swing and miss in this game. He is a young player who is making adjustments, but I think he's going to be able to help in the average, or excuse me, he'll be able to help in the power category. I think he's going to get a chance to steal some bases as well. He is an excellent athlete. Um, has he's gone basically one for four or two for four in every game since the first two of his call up anyway. So he's starting to hold his own really struggled in that first taste will be yeah. far from the first player to ever struggle in his first taste of MLB action and to be able to help. He's currently available in 93% of leagues. I can't say he's the must add that O'Neill Cruz and Riley green are, but if you're somebody Agreed. who's hungry for some combo meal action to get those homers and those steals, I think Josh Lowe is absolutely worth roster consideration. And keep in mind, this is the guy that made the Rays very comfortable in trading away Austin Meadows, who has right. been a very valuable member for that team for quite a few years now. Yeah, That's just how good that they believe that he can replicate a guy who was hitting 39 home runs and close to 100 RBIs, even though his batting average was pretty bad. Like I feel like this is a pretty like-for-like comparison into what we can expect from Josh Lowe moving forward, we're like, average is not going to be his thing, but he has the power to get to 25, 30 plus home runs. He has the speed to get to double digit stolen bases at least every single year. If he's getting enough at bats, I mean, that that's the type of player you can have from him. And I'm glad you bring up the combo meal, because like you said, with, I think all three of these guys to a certain extent, maybe green, the least of the three that we've mentioned so far, all of them, give you some help in power and speed, which is just very rare from not only rookies, but just from players in general nowadays. We just don't see a lot of them. And all three of these guys can help you out on both of those fronts. Yeah, absolutely. And look, as as frustrating as stolen bases can be, they are an important part of the game. If you you want to punt them, so be it. But you put an awful lot of pressure on your other statistics if you do punt them. Do you, does the conversation change with any one of these three if we were talking about a points league? Obviously, we brought oh, up stolen yeah. bases in these conversations, but in a points league, that's obviously devalued. So yeah, does, right, that, right. does your ranking of these guys change at all when you talk about a points league? It doesn't per se change the ranking of them, but it does make Riley Green more valuable, I think, 
because he is somebody I think who's going to draw more walks and run less than these guys as well. You know, less risk of a chance mm-hmm. of getting that stolen base, which uh, oftentimes in points leagues, the caught steal hurts you more than the stolen base actually helps you to be completely honest. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think you would put Riley green ahead of those guys. There's a fairly easy comp here for me too, for Josh Lowe. It's a better on base version of Adolis Garcia. Now I don't think he's going to be a 30, 30 player. Like Adolis Garcia is looking at back to back 30 to 30 years, which is, we're not talking about this guy enough. I think Um, a flawed baseball player to put it mildly, but in terms of fantasy, the value is very much obvious, but I think you could be looking at possibly, I'm not saying 30, 30 rates, but I think you could be looking at 2020 rates. He's a very good athlete. Is a good approach to the play. He should be able to get on base more than he was in that first taste of MLB action. Um, so yeah, that, that, but that type of player who is, if you're getting the 240 to 250, and I think Lowe will hit for a higher average as he gets more comfortable in the coming years. It's just nothing he's shown so far suggests that he's going to be a helper in that category for the rest of this year, which is what we're talking about. But yeah, I think Adolis Garcia is kind of the comp that you're looking at there. I think that's a really good one. And, uh, and like you said, I, I, I think... Lowe has the ability to be a 230 to maybe 240 hitter in the future. Yeah. But this year, I think if you're asking him to help you in a, in a batting average category, you're, you're yeah. just, you're barking up the wrong. It's track. asking too much. Exactly. Uh, let's talk about CJ Abrams. Uh, the shortstop for the Padres. He broke camp with the team or was pretty close to it at the beginning of the year. Thanks to the Fernando Tatis jr. Injury. Mm-hmm. He went back down to the minors has just recently got called back up. Uh, he has a 190 average across 79 at-bats with a home run, six RBIs, 11 runs scored, and a stolen base. He's been a top 10 perennial, a perennial top 10 prospect for a couple years now, obviously kind of log jammed by uh, or by Fernando Tatis ahead of him, so long right. as Tatis cannot be injured for a hot minute. Right. Um, but just talent oozing out of this kid. The real question for me is just like how much playing time is he going to continue to have? How long is he going to be up at this front? Where is he playing? Especially when Fernando Tatis, and obviously Tatis is not going to be back anytime soon. We just got that alert basically last week that he's still not ready to swing a bat. So we still got a little ways to go for there, but I just worry. My biggest issue with CJ Abrams is just how much usage is he going to get for the remainder of this year? Yeah, that's my big question here. Like In terms of talent, as good as any of those guys, if not mm-hmm. better, a chance to hit for average, a chance to be a huge threat in stolen bases. Like yeah. this guy can fly. And even after the injury, he still has easy plus plus to 80 speed. Really, the question mark here for C.J. Abrams is not so much the question of Fernando Tatis Jr. It's the question of Manny Machado. And mm-hmm. I don't know what the heck the what? Padres are doing. Because this guy has now sat out after being out of the lineup again Tuesday. One, two, three, four, five, six. This is the eighth straight missed game, and he's not on the injured list. And let me point out that there is a 10-day injured list. What are you doing, San Diego? Why are you playing this the way that you are? And if when Manny Machado comes back, CJ Abrams is the name that makes the most sense to get sent down. If Manny Machado does go on the injured list, and I guess there's a chance of it, I mean. But they can retro that back eight days. But they can't can't do that anymore, Colin. They can only retro it back three days now. 
So, oh, is that a new rule? That is, it, it's a newish rule. I mean, we'll, forgive you. Okay, I didn't, we'll talk I didn't, after the show about how you need to know the rule book if you're going to keep doing this. Podcast. Yeah, okay. Um, I'll read yeah, the whole thing. Come yeah, I have to have, have to have the whole thing memorized <laughs> by the time the show starts. Um, but anyway, it's it, a week is what you'd be basically looking at if he goes on the injured list. Right. So, would I roster him right now? Yeah. Is he someone that I have to add right now at the same time? Not really, because there's just no guarantee that he's going to get enough playing time. And when Machado is ready to go, if C.J. Abrams isn't going to be an everyday player for them, it makes no sense to keep him on the roster. He has to get at bats. And it's worth pointing out that he missed a bunch of the last season. You want to get as much Mm -hmm. reps for that kid as possible. So if Manny Machado ends up going on the injured list or somebody else does, yeah, I'm swooping him up as soon as I can. But this situation, it's kind of untenable. Yeah, exactly. There just isn't enough room at the inn for CJ Abrams right now. And that's, it's unfortunate because I think he's ready to go. I think he is major league ready. I think we need to see him against the best pitchers out there. But at the same time, like you said, there just isn't really a spot for him right now. And I'm, and especially with Hosmer and Voigt on that team, like the DH spot is taken over. So you can't really use Machado a whole bunch in that spot. Like you can rotate him in. But again, like you said, he needs that. Abrams needs at bats and there isn't enough at bats between third base shortstop and the DH spot for him to be on the major league roster. If everyone is healthy. So um, I, I still wonder maybe is there a chance that Abrams can be used in a trade talk at some point, just because Machado and Tatis aren't going anywhere. And is there an opportunity for him elsewhere to bring in something big? I don't know what the Padres particularly need that they're willing to give up a guy with this much talent. Sure. But like they'd have to ask for a King's ransom in return for a guy with this much talent. But I'm just curious if there's potentially something out there, just knowing that they've got Machado under contract and they've got Tatis under contract for basically a decade between the two of them. Yeah. The only thing I would say there is because, so at first I was thinking maybe second base, but I think Jake Cronenworth is installed in that position as well. Another guy that they could move. Absolutely. I'll say this CJ Abrams would be, as good of a trade chip as anybody, if you wanted to go right. get another middle of the order hitter, I don't think you're getting another starter. It seems like they have too many of those guys as exactly. is. And then the other 12, thing, 12 man rotation right now. Yeah. And then the other <laughs> thing I would point out is that I do think there is a good chance that either Abrams or Tatis Jr., whoever they decide is more valuable in that spot can go play center field because sure. Frank Grisham can move over to left or right and be just fine there. Um, but I do think it's an interesting, an interesting thought exercise just because like, I don't know who the bat would be this year. It just doesn't seem like there's that exciting player that's going to be on the market this year. Um, but man, if, if CJ Abrams were to be available, holy crap, I think every team would be, uh, jumping for joy. Yeah. And AJ Preller has been very aggressive. He he has been aggressive. That's for sure. It'll be, it'll be, I I can't imagine it'll happen. I I have it cap it at like five, 7%. Like I just don't see it happening. Cause like you said, there isn't that Trey Turner out there. You know what I mean? There isn't like that unbelievable guy that you can be like, Oh, like Jose Ramirez just got locked up. Like he would be the guy that you could have a conversation about here, but like, I haven't thought about it. Sorry to interrupt. I haven't thought about it like super hard, but like, this is one of the worst trade deadline available type guy things that I think I can ever remember because yes. it's haves and have nots. The one name I think would be 
really interesting just because of the positional value is Wilson Contreras. If the Cubs did decide to go that mark away, I mean, and he's move. I mean, yeah, I mean, well, they could, they could, they could do what they did with a few other guys and, and, and wait as long as possible. But man, that would be the one guy to get. But outside of that, there are like no impact bats for the deadline. Our, our deadline show might be kind of boring. Yeah, especially considering in, in comparison to last year when basically yeah, that was fun. Was like our phones blew up every four <laughs> minutes. And like, wait, this guy's on the move too? Yeah. yeah I mean, the fun. only other one I think of, and you mentioned before, was Brian Reynolds. Like, we have been expecting him to be traded at some point. I know he signed a contract extension, but it's still a, a team-friendly contract extension. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, he would be someone who the Pirates could very much get a decent haul for. But mm-hmm. you're right, there just really isn't. And maybe we'll see something change over the next month where suddenly yes. some teams might fall off. But yep. right now the trade market looks very bleak for teams if they're looking to make to fill multiple holes that aren't relievers because relievers are always available. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about Jaron Duran uh, for the Red Sox. He has come out of the gate swinging a 327 average across 52 at-bats. Three RBIs, nine runs scored, and four stolen bases. Stolen bases, a big part of this guy's game. Mm-hmm. Um, you really like to see the nine runs scored already in this conversation at the 327 average. Look, this is going to be a guy he he's not going to be, a, at least I don't see him being a particularly big power guy, but average and stolen bases and runs on that Boston team. Like he's going to, I think, from here to the end of the year, if given a full run, he could be someone who is very interesting in a couple of those categories if that's what you're looking for. Absolutely. And it's worth pointing out, we talked about him on our show uh, after the the Peacock game on Sunday with Drew um, about how he was only rostered in 16% of leagues. That's already dropped up, jumped up to 24% of leagues. You have a kind of a unique opportunity here to add Jaron Duran because Duran made the choice not to get vaccinated, so he's not part of the roster in Toronto right right now. He's on the restricted list, so he might be a name that a couple of guys forget about, but he'll be back right after that series, and I would jump on it because Jaron Duran is hitting at the top of a very good Boston lineup, um, has the speed. It's also worth pointing out there's more power here than the stats suggest. It's this guy's hit five doubles and two triples already, mm-hmm. which has kind of helped the slugging percentage while the ball hasn't gone over the fence. But this is a guy with 60 to 65 raw power. If you take a look at the sure. picture of him, you would suggest he would be like, oh, that's that's a middle linebacker because yeah. his arms are like He's bigger than yeah. I won't say me because that would be disgusting. But like his arms are bigger than like DJ. Like they are very, very tree trunky arms. He is a very strong kid who has done what under underwent one of those swing changes after being at long beach state. Mm-hmm. I would add Jaron Duran as soon as possible. There's just too much upside in his bat for him to be rostered this little. And I think that's going to change. Um, go get him now while it's it's I'd rather add him too early than too late. And I can't imagine the error even being an opportunity to add him too early at this point. With speed being such a major part of his game, is he more of a must-add in Roto Leagues for his points? Yeah, I think so. And I will say this. The biggest thing – I talked about this with Drew as well – is I feel sane watching him because of how bad he was last year. This dude, yeah. I don't even have to look it up. I'll just tell you right now, had a 40-4 to 4 strikeout-to-walk ratio in his time in the major leagues. That's very good for a reliever and bad for everybody else. It is yeah. not ideal. But he's, he's seeing many more pitches. His approach, he clearly went and worked on that approach. 
So he's not going to like lead the league in walks or anything like that, but he's going to give pitchers a reason to throw him strikes. So yeah, I mean, he can help in that points league, but because of the steals, he's definitely better five by five. All right. So let's get to your newest top 10 prospect. Let's talk about one other player. Oh, you want to talk about someone else? Give me with it. Because this guy was not, so he certainly was on my radar to begin the year, but he wasn't on my radar to begin 2022. And that guy's name is Michael Harris. And mm-hmm. of all of the players that we have talked about, I think Michael Harris actually might be the best fantasy baseball player. This Ooh. guy's hitting 330, 355 with three homers, 14 RBIs, three stolen bases. It's also made some spectacular defensive plays that is going yeah. to keep him in the lineup. That is huge because no defense doesn't necessarily actually help you in fantasy leagues. But yes, it does. Because if he can't play defense, he's not on the roster. I mean, this guy was called up straight from double A in this was never actually confirmed. It was basically a test run to see whether or not this could be applied to the next level. If it wasn't great, we're sending you down to triple A to make your debut over there. And then we'll give you a chance over there and you'll get a chance to get a call. He's passed these tests with flying colors. And I am shocked, shocked that he's still available in 34 percent of leagues because if I had a rookie of the year vote right now, I think it would go for Michael Harris. And I think he should probably be the favorite too. Colin and I were talking before the show that that's actually become O'Neill Cruz right now, which O'Neill Cruz like 38 at bats has become the betting favorite on multiple books. Unbelievable. That is so insane to me. Do you, you don't happen to have the Michael Harris odds by any chance do you? Um, I can look them up while you're talking. Yeah, there we go. But yeah, I think that, the fact he plays for a good baseball team, the fact that he's got all of these highlight real plays, the fact that he's performing at that high level with the bat as well can help you in the stolen base category. If I had to make a bet for who is going to win the rookie of the year, it was Mackenzie Gore and Gore still got a very good chance to win it. I mean, and O'Neill Cruz, if he plays at a superstar level, he's got a chance to do it too. I think the late start is really going to hurt him. Well, you know, Michael Harris got a little bit of a late start too. But if I had to choose right now who I was betting on to win NL Rookie of the Year, it would be Michael Harris the second. I think that's fair. And I think I might do this. I'd like if I had to vote right now, I would say the same. I'm trying to look up the stat right now on on points bet here. There we go. One second coming up. No problem. So yes, no. Uh, but he has been phenomenal. And I think it only highlights Atlanta's total okay and acceptance in moving Christian Pache, who oh yeah, have, who we have, I mean, we're still waiting to see if a bat will ever emerge from his hands. I just was watching the Yankee game before we hit record and he has an OPS under five. So, Jeez. I mean, it's been, it has not been good so far for him, but I, I, I know the defense is good. And like you said, defense will keep you on the field, but it'll only keep you on the field for so long until eventually you got to have a bat that backs up it a little bit here. Sure. So, I don't know how well he is. Uh, I mean, again, as we're talking about prospects here, I don't know if that's ever, if his bat is ever going to turn into something that is fantasy relevant. But oh, see, it certainly makes it, it certainly it, makes Michael Taylor and the Braves look even better for kind of yeah. making that decision. And it's certainly been relevant so far. And I think, I do think that he'll have a little bit of a drop. You can't hit 330 forever as a rookie. That's just not possible unless you're Ichiro Suzuki and you're not right. actually a rookie. Yeah, yeah, By the it's way, coming down. At some point, 
this is I don't think this has been updated completely yet, but this has Mackenzie Gore at plus three fifty, Spencer Strider at plus four hundred, O'Neill Cruz at plus four fifty, and Michael Harris at plus five hundred. That's five to one odds for Michael Harris for Rookie of the Year, I think are outstanding odds. I don't have I for whatever reason points bet. It looks like points bet probably closed for the night since the game started. Sure. But on covers, okay. I see O'Neill's I, I see O'Neill Cruz at ten to one as of yesterday so uh, i know just, that when uh, we were looking up he popped up to the top on points bet so like i said i think the national league rookie of the year voting is just wide open wide open and nolan gorman's be, got a great shot here too nolan gorman absolutely has a great shot and i think he's i think gorman harris and cruz all have a better shot than gore or strider just simply because i just don't know the if those pitchers player. are going to last over the course of the season well and said. not get kind of shut down or passed or whatever else so now let's talk about your newest top 10 prospect list. Currently, I'd talk about Michael Harris. I'm sorry. I don't blame you. <laughs> um, so let's talk about them. Obviously, a big change to your list from last week as a bunch of those guys that we had just discussed got the call up. Mm-hmm. Brian Bello, the right-handed pitcher for the Red Sox, currently at the top of your list. Vinny Pasquale. I, I want to say it with the accent here. Vinny Pascutino. All Vinny right? Pascutino. Vinny Pascutino. All right. So he also gets the call up. He got called up yesterday after the Carlos Santana trade to Seattle. Um, Max Meyer, welcome back from the IL. He got his first start in about a month, I believe, for yep. the Marlins down in um, down in the minors. Yep. Uh, there's quite a, and quite a few people on this list. Uh, Ryan Pepito. Pepio, excuse me, he got, what, two starts last week for the Dodgers. I think he just got sent back down as of now, but he'll get another call up soon. Lots of people to talk about on this list. Highlight a couple for us and talk and talk them out. Sure, I'll just go through the top three real quick because I think sure. that's the, the, the most relevant. Uh, Brian Bayo has been outstanding. Uh, 14 games, a 2.49 ERA, 106 strikeouts, over 79 and two-thirds innings. Was a guy who was kind of on radars as a potential mid-rotation arm, but has really escalated things and become a legitimate top 65, 70 prospect. And I say 65 to 70 because I think that's where I have him ranked on my rankings right now. A real good chance to miss bats at the highest level. Three pitches that have a chance to do just that. Usually throws strikes with all of them as well. I think the ERA would be the category I'd be the most concerned about with, with Bayo, just because... There's not a ton of movement on his fastball, and I can see maybe some squared balls going off the green monster and starts like that. But like a type of guy who could post like a 3.6 ERA and miss over a bat an inning, I think has a lot of fantasy relevance. Um, at number two on my list, uh, Asturi Ruiz. I'm just going to read these numbers to you because I read those to Drew with Drew not knowing him, and they just basically made him uh, lose his mind. 66 games, 349. 478, 610, 13 homers, 48 stolen bases, 48 stolen bases. <laughs> now, look, I was slow to this guy because he was a fringe prospect to start the year, like a guy who was given a decent bonus by Kansas City and then came over in a trade. And, you know, there was, it was an intriguing lottery ticket, but had, hadn't really put things together outside of a couple of decent seasons at the very lowest level. Uh, I think he's put things together, Colin. He is capable of being a major contributor in the stolen base category. And honestly, he should probably rank at the top of this list 
The problem is, is there's just no guarantee on when he's going to get a promotion. Right. He is in AAA now, so he's one step below. I would add him now if I have a deep enough bench just because he can literally help you win a category with the stolen bases. And I think he can do be a good helper in average. I have some question marks about the power. He is playing in some very friendly parts in the PCL, probably looking more at a 13 homer pace for the rest of the season more than a guy who is going to hit. 25 or 30 but um yeah you know certainly a guy who can help in that category and boy oh boy can he help you in stolen bases and then yeah. number three nick lodolo who is still technically a prospect I, I feel weird listing him on this thing just because mm-hmm. he's technically on a rehab assignment you know posted a 5.52 era with 19 strikeouts with cincinnati over 14 and two-thirds innings was much better in his last start unfortunately He's missed the last two months with a lower back strain, but pitched really well in his rehab start. It's a guy who pounds the strike zone with three pitches that all get plus grades at times. Cincinnati's not the friendliest park, but the NL Central, it provides a ton of opportunities for nice streaming yep. options. I'd be looking to add him basically as soon as you know that that call-up is going to happen, and I can't imagine it's going to be that much longer. Uh, talk about Vinny Pascotino a second as well, just because oh, he sure. got the call up on Monday. And um, I, he has, uh, in through 69 games, a 280 average, an OPS over nine, yep. uh, 18 home runs, 37 walks to 36 strikeouts. It shows an elite eye. Talk about him a little bit now that KC has opened up a spot for him. Yeah, I mean, I've been waiting for this moment, I mean, to be honest with you. And that's one of the reasons – why he ranked low is because I just couldn't have predicted a Carlos Santana trade. I mean, the the fact of the matter is, is that Santana has been much better as of late, but they weren't going to DFA Carlos Santana. He's making way too much money for them to do a move like that. I think he's got a chance to help in every category, but the stolen base category He is a very selective eye of the plate. There's easy plus power in his left-handed bat. There is not much swing and miss here. I, I'm glad you pointed out the 37 walks against 36 strikeouts. I mean, 36 strikeouts in 69 games is like in today's game, some weight bog unheard. stuff. Yeah. yeah like they, like <laughs> a lot of contact here can use all of the field. You know, I expect that there will be some ups and downs here. I'll be very curious to see how he handles left-handed pitching because you cannot simulate left-handed secondary stuff at the highest level as a left-handed hitter. It's just really hard to project. And the fact that he's only first base eligible, you know, that's not the best. You know, you'd prefer if you could play him in the outfield or or something like that, but you can't. So you just got to deal with that. But if you're looking for help at the corner infield spot or a first base spot that has just been kind of middling for you, I think he's absolutely worth a roster addition. Don't expect like fireworks, but I think he's got a pretty high floor here, and I think he can be a very nice contributor over these next three months. Um, with stolen bases, not his game, obviously. Talk him up a little bit in points. Is he a must-add in a standard 12-team points? Must-add might be just a little too strong. Okay. It'd be hard for me to find a better option on the bench, though. Like, unless you're playing in, like, an 18 league or something <laughs> like that, you know. But if you're playing in a standard 10 to 12-team league and you've got five bench spots, I can't imagine there are 59 guys who are better on a bench than Vinny Pasquantino. By that, that name is just so fun to say. Mm-hmm. I mean, I it is it. it is just uh, the most uh, – 
the most mozzarella name I think that you can think of right now. It just makes me hungry for like a nice calzone. My Ben Wyatt, get my Ben Wyatt on. And, uh, yeah, the calzone. Put, yeah, the, calzone. Yes. the calzones betray me is one of my favorite the calzones ones. calzones betray me. I'm thinking yes. that. I'm yeah. replaying that scene in my head. It's <laughs> so Before good. I get you out of here, talk to me a little bit about uh, someone not on your top 10 list, but just kind of uh, just made the um, jump up to triple a and Moises Gomez, the outfielder for mm. the Cardinals. Uh, he signed a minor league contract with the Cardinals last November and has gone on to post a 321, 401, 705 slash line with 23 home runs and seven steals across 257 plate appearances in double a those 23 home runs lead, uh, all hitters in double a. He is now only a step away from the majors and Harrison Bader just went down and as Tyler O'Neill comes back from injury. So just kind of tell me a little bit about him. And also, is there any chance that we could potentially see him wearing Cardinal red this year? So I'm going to give you a crazy stat real quick. All right. His slugging percentage this year is 140 points higher than his OPS last year. His slugging percentage uh-huh is 140 (laughs) points higher than his OPS last year. This guy hit 171, 256, 309 with Montgomery and looked like he was a really interesting prospect for a little bit and kind of looked like maybe not the next big thing, but another great job by Tampa Bay of of fighting these type of guys and developing them. And then he just kind of stalled. But to say that he was not stalled in, I mean, 23 homers in 60 games is incredibly yeah. impressive and not playing in like a band box either. Like it's certainly not like the uh, um, a horrible pit park for hitters, but not like it's, it's not the Cal League where you see these 18 to 15 games sometimes. You know what I mean? I'm pretty skeptical. I think he's more of a bench bat against left-handed pitching than a, a regular but here's his chance to prove me wrong. Like if he goes and does even a semblance of these numbers in AAA, he's going to get a call up. I mean, the the Cardinals have some outfield depth, but he's going to force their hand if he puts up these type of numbers uh, in Memphis. I wouldn't add him yet, but at the very least, like if you were playing in a dynasty league, I would consider adding him that. over like yeah. over, over some like low A type prospect type guy. Sure, go do that. But in a redraft league, I am still very skeptical about Moises Gomez, but he's he's more on the radar than he said she should be. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say, the same thing. Maybe for a redraft this year, probably not. But um, And even if he does, I think you have time to go get him. I don't think he's yeah. a heralded enough prospect that you're going to be fighting people for him. Sure. But from a dynasty standpoint, I think he has absolutely run um, run his way into most dynasty lineups. Like you said, drop the guy who's – five years away. He's, yeah. He's less you can go get away. somebody like, like that at some point. Exactly. He's going to come back soon. Yeah. But that just about finishes up our show for today. If you enjoyed the show, well then make sure you are subscribed wherever you listen to your podcast. So you don't miss an episode in the future. And if you listen on Apple podcasts, please be sure to rate and review us. And while you're at it, be sure to follow NBC sports edge on Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch to be informed of all of our live shows, Q and A's, segments, articles, and more. So you can join on, join in on all the action. You can follow me on Twitter at call. Don't lie. You can follow Chris at Crawford underscore M I L B. Be sure to tune back in tomorrow as Chris hosts another show. Chris, who we got on the show tomorrow. We've got Andrew Stoughton to talk about the Toronto Blue Jays because they're a lot of fun. Perfect. Uh, So Stoughton on the pod tomorrow for the Blue Jays, so make sure you don't miss it. 
So until then, stay safe out there. And as always, thanks for the listen. Don Smith, still prospect number one in my heart. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.